Uh, it's great to be back from Bike for Light. Um, our team did an awesome job. I'm so proud of all of our Grove riders. Uh, so thank you for being a part, for contributing and helping for all you guys at Road. Uh, good job. Um, it was just a great, great year. So a lot of uh, a lot of ground. Our, one of our female rider, Eldora, she was the first female to ever ride the, the first day, which is the hardest day. And so good job, Eldora. Congratulations on that. Dave Berry, first time he's ever rode five centuries in a row. It's awesome. So Dave, good job, five in a row. And if you ask me if he feels it, he'll say, oh, yes, I feel it everywhere. <laughs> so good job, Dave. Uh, Anthony Berry, we signed, he signed up one month out. I, I convinced him just to do one day, and he didn't think he could do one day. And so he rode Tuesday and did awesome. And then he says, I think I'm going to ride Wednesday also. So he stayed with the team. He rode Wednesday. So he did two centuries in a row. He didn't think he could do one. And then he rested on Thursday and joined us for Friday all day. So Anthony Berry completed three centuries this week, which is awesome. So good job, Anthony. He, um, he didn't think he could do one. He ended up doing three. And so one of the guys told him, Anthony, so everything now that you face in life, whatever you think you can do, just know you can do three times more. Uh, it's one of the benefits for Bike for Light. I recruit people all the time because I know when they experience that, they begin to believe more in themselves and the potential that's there. It's, it's awesome. So thank you guys for being a part of that. We'll talk some more about Bike for Light through the message, uh, but just want to just honor those. Um, did I miss anybody else? Phil did two centuries. Good job, Phil. Two in a row. First time ever. He didn't know if he'd be able to do that much, and good job. Proud of you. And uh, it was just a, just a great year. Uh, raised a lot of money. So I uh, just want to say... Um, yeah, welcome. So hello to all of you watching online, listening online. We're, we're glad you're, you're tuning in. Uh, today we're going to wrap up a series called Just Walk Across the Room. This series has really been geared to, the, to our church, people that say this is my home, uh, towards Christians. Uh, most of the series we do, we, we really are, a, we try to be aware that there are people in our, in our service that, that are not a part of the faith. They don't, they don't believe. Some are hurting. Some have been hurt by, by church, by their past. And so they come in. And so as we go through series, we're very aware of that. And so this series has been really geared for us because we want to be a healthy church. And part of that is knowing what we're doing as a church and accomplishing. And so for the last four weeks, today included, we've really talked to people who say, I'm a Christ follower. I want to follow Christ. And this is one of those components that we say, if you're following Christ, you need to learn about so you can, you can be, um, join him in the mission that he's calling us to as Christians. And so we've kind of focused on that. And really what it is is, is, is just a, a, um, a series about reaching people who are far from God and helping join him in that process and, and helping to connect people that, do, that are hurting, that are broken, and, and be able to come alongside them and introduce them to relationship with God. And so if you are new to the church, maybe you're not a Christian, you're just visiting your guest, uh, this is your first time, or maybe in a long time you haven't, you haven't been to church, there's some principles in here you can still learn from what we're talking about. Because we really want to just help people around us. There's a lot of people that need help all around us. And if you will just take some simple steps of building relationships and just walk across the room and help somebody, introduce yourself, you can make a big difference in our world. So whether you're a Christian or not, some of these things are still going to apply. But we're going to wrap this up today as we, as we go because it's the heartbeat of God. This is why it's so important for us to talk about. It's why we started the Grove in the first place. So as we walk through this last week, we're going to just do some review. All right, the first week we talked about the greatest gift you can give somebody was an introduction to the God who created them, who loves them. And that has purpose for their life. So that was week one. That's the greatest gift you can, you can do. And really sharing, your, sharing our faith is a lot easier than we think. Uh, sometimes we complicate it. It's a lot easier. And we said this the first week. If you're going to make an impact in Santa Fe for the kingdom of God, we have to first allow the kingdom of God to impact our lives first. So if you want to make an impact, just let God impact your life. I promise if you let him begin to change and transform, things around you will begin to be changed and transformed. The second week, Dave Barry spoke. He did a great job talking about 3D. 
And so you'll see the picture behind me is kind of blurry because we took that from his week. And he said the three D's, the three D's that we were talking about that day was developing friendships, discovering stories, and then figuring out what the next steps were for people, discerning next steps. And those are the three, the three D's. And he said a great statement. He said that potential, that finding God's potential within your life is an encourager to seek and find the same potential within others. When you allow God to, to pinpoint potential in your life, it actually encourages you to look to others to say, wow, maybe somebody else has potential they've never seen, and I want to help them to, to, to reach out and, and be able to do some great things. And then he gave us his equation, which I thought was great. It HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. And we said if, if you're gonna, he said if you're going to have a maximum impact in life, you have to have high potency, which means you live the faith consistently on a daily basis, like, like a salt that's really strong. Jesus compares us to salt and light. That if you have high potency and you're actually doing good in your world and, and you're close to people who are far from God, you have, you have close proximity, and if you can learn to communicate the good news, the gospel, clearly, you'll have a, a huge impact in your life. And that's why we encourage 3D, was build relationships. And then Robert, did, he spoke last week. How many of you guys enjoyed Robert coming back last week? Anybody? Yeah, me too. He did a good job. He talked really about story, the power of story. And he said there's three questions everybody's asking about our identity, about our security, and about our significance. And he said uh, God designed us to have those things. He wants to have identity. He wants us to have security. And he wants us to have significance. And so one of the ways we can help people answer those questions is by answering, by showing them how God has done that in our lives and sharing our stories. And it's really telling two stories. It's telling our story, what God's doing in our life, but it's also telling the gospel story of what God has done through the cross and how we, inter- in, how we weave those two stories together to help others to know it. Um, go to the next one. And you can identity. Uh, where's workmanship? Next one. So we're, we're in week four. And uh, it's really about seeing more. It's about learning how to have a grander vision for life. So living a grander vision, living, is, is what we're going to be talking about today. It's really about seeing more. Now, we, we say a phrase a lot, living the best life possible. Part of living the best life possible is seeing beyond yourself. Um, a grander vision means you see bigger than um, just focusing on something that's small, but focus on something big. And here, here's what's really important that I want you to, to, to think about as we go into this message, is what you focus on can become the only thing that you see. Sometimes the things that you focus on will become the only thing you can see. When you have pain in your life, the pain, pain wherever it is, if, you have, if your legs are hurting, if you have a cut, if you have a broken arm, uh, the pain is going to draw all of your attention to that part of your body, a part of your life. And the pain will get you to focus on that one thing that you can miss everything around you. Now, one of the things that helps you to get through the pain is actually doing the opposite of focusing on, on the therapy thing that's hurting, but to look around and say, what, what else is happening besides just my pain? What else is out there? And sometimes you encounter people that have more pain and you realize, well, my pain is really not that bad. Um, that is a lot of pain. And if you can help them through that, you will begin to be able to walk through your pain in a greater way also. But what you focus on it sometimes can become the only thing that you see. Um, sometimes um, in life, uh, we just people make poor decisions. And I remember talking to my mentor, one of the pastors. We were, we were talking about just how, how we can help people. I'm, I'm trying to learn as a pastor, how can I really help people? Because so, sometimes people just get stuck and they get focused on the wrong things. Like, how, what, what can we do to really help people? And he said, well, this is kind of what happens. Uh, similar to the pain thing. He says, we, we tend to focus on, on a small part of the picture. Uh, we, we tend to focus on something that gets our attention, and we miss out on the larger thing that's going on. He kind of said it like this. He said, just, just imagine. He says, draw, draw a diagram. Just draw a little house, all right? And this could represent your house. And you can, there'll be a picture behind me. It's just a simple house. 
And, and as you look at this house, you know, you can, you can, maybe there's a broken window on it. And all of a sudden, that broken window takes all of our attention. Like, man, my life is not perfect. It's not going well. That broken window. I got to go work more hours so I can pay for this window and whatever it is. And sometimes you can zoom in even on that picture and begin to focus on things. There's a crack in the wall. The roof is leaking, whatever it is. And you begin to focus on these different aspects of your life, and that's all you see at the moment. And he said, this is what happens to people. They get so stuck on themselves and on their, their story and on their life and on their needs and on what they want that they miss everything that's around them. And he said, really, that picture is just a small part of the larger picture. The larger picture, if you zoom out, you begin to see, wow, there's actually mountains and there's a stream and there's, um, there's animals, there's you know, clouds, there's, there's a lot of good things around that are, that are happening. And, and use your imagination because I don't have the next one. But if you took even one more step back, you'd begin to see like, oh, wow, there's more houses. Uh, there's more wildlife. There's more beauty. There might be some flowers. There might be some incredible things. And if you take even another step back, you begin to see, wow, there's a city. There's a state. There's a nation. You take another step back, you begin to see countries and continents, right? You, you zoom out even further, you realize it's just a little ball floating in the middle of space, this blue and green ball. Blue and gr- blue. And green colored ball floating in space. There we go. Hey, I just rode 500 miles, right? So keep, help me, help me out here. And, and it's just a small thing. And in that middle of that little ball that's floating in the middle of space, you're somewhere in your house on that. And what happens is we tend to focus just on the little house and we miss out on the bigger picture and on the beautiful things around us and the other people. And, and, and even sometimes in the picture itself, we miss out on the family members, the people that are next to us. Even though they're next to us, we're focused on the wrong thing. And this week we're going to talk about what it would look like if we lived a grander vision life. Like a like grander vision, like looking beyond what we, what we tend to focus on. Like your pain, yes, it's painful and it hurts. And I'm not diminishing that. Things you've gone through, it might have been painful. But the way you can get through that is if you'll begin to, focus, to take, take your focus off of just your pain and look around to see others that have just as much pain, if not more pain, and how you can begin to help them. There's a story in the Bible. I mentioned it the first week. I'm going to talk about it a second, uh, a second time. But um, so, so Jesus begins his, his ministry. He's about 30 years old. And Jesus begins to travel and tell stories. And, and crowds begin to come and, and listen to him because he was incredible stories. He'd make them laugh, make them cry, make them mad. He would just tell these stories. So one day he's by the, by the, uh, by the, the water, at the water's edge. And the crowd began to get so big that it was pushing him towards the water. So eventually he said, hey, there's a boat. Let me jump on the boat. So he gets in the boat, and they push away from the shore a little bit, and he begins to share and speak about um, uh, the, the, his stories. And on the boat, as he's sharing, um, after he finishes, he dismisses the crowd. He's on the boat. He says, hey, guys, how about we go out and go fish? Let's go fish, catch some fish. And it says, Simon, he replies, and he says that, um, he says, well, Master, uh, we worked hard all night, and we didn't catch a thing. This is his reply. So Simon Peter, Jesus tells him, let's go fish. And he says, well, We've been fishing all day, like all night. Like we didn't sleep last night because we fished the whole night long, and we didn't catch a single thing. Um, you could almost hear the, the tension there, like uh, he's asking me to go work more, and my work just didn't pay off. I don't know if I want to do this. But then he goes on and says, but if you say so, we'll let our nets down again. And it says this time their nets were so full of fish, this is found in Luke, that, they, that the nets began to tear. So they had to shout at all their partners and all their friends to come and help them to get this big catch that was, was, was tearing their nets. And, and they began to, all their friends began to come because they were on the verge of sinking, the story says. And when Simon, it says that when Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, 
please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. Because he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, and so were the others with him. And then we're going to catch up in the story here. This is Luke 5.10, and it says his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And then Jesus replies to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. I'll make you a fisher of men, another translation says. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. If we look at the story, we begin to see Jesus is trying to do something in Peter's life, all the disciples' life. And in fact, every, every encounter we have with God, he's trying to do something in your life. Every service you come to on a Sunday morning or you listen to a podcast, whatever it is, God is wanting to do something in your life if you will just allow him to work in your life. And a lot of times what he's trying to do is get you to look out away from what you're stuck on, focused on, so you can see something bigger of what he's trying to accomplish. And whatever difficulty you're facing, he's saying, would you look beyond that so I can show you something that's even better for you. In fact, throughout all the stories of the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we see when people had encounters with Jesus, uh, he was always trying to move them from one aspect or one area that they're stuck in to something better, something greater. Um, in, this, in this scenario, so Peter is a fisher, he's, he's a fisherman. That's how, that's how he makes a living. That's how he feeds his family. Um, in, in the time that Jesus lived, it was very poor and very oppressed. The Roman government taxed the people. Um, the people of Israel taxed their own people to, to be able to pay the Roman government. So it was, it was a, most people didn't know where their, where their next mill was going to come from. Right? When I say poor, it was poor. Like they were just living mill to mill. It wasn't like thinking like we do, you know, like what's the next TV I'm going to buy? What next car am I going to buy? They were just wanting to know, am I going to be able to feed my family today? 95% of the population didn't know where the next mill was going to come from. So if you can just imagine that and picture that, that's the desperation. That's what they felt. So these guys fishing on the boat, you can imagine the pressure they had of saying, I need to catch some fish for my family so they can eat, so we can survive, so we can live. And all night, not sleeping, working, working. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and says, let's go one more time. And they catch this huge uh, fish, load of fish, the most they've ever caught, record, record setting. And then they leave it all to follow him. Well, in this story, Jesus is trying to take them from survival to purpose. Like they're just trying to survive, and he's saying, I have something better than just surviving. I have, I have living. I want to help you go from survival to purpose. And he said, I'm going to take you from just fishing for fish, and I want to take you to, to become people who fish for people, people that, 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 that love others, that look for opportunities to help others on this journey. And he's moving them from there. There's a story in the Bible where he encounters a woman who's been married five times, and she's looking for something in all of these different relationships. And Jesus says, if you would ask the right person, you'll find fulfillment. He says, I am that right person. Like, I want to I help you on this journey. You're thirsty, and you're looking from the wrong places. And he's trying to take this woman's longing and give her fulfillment. And she's looking in all the wrong places. And he's saying, if you'll just trust me, I'll lead you to a place that's, of life that's so fulfilling, you'll be satisfied. You'll never have to drink again, another, another be living water. He encounters a man who has a lot of money. He's called the rich young ruler. And this man has a lot of wealth. And Jesus says, he comes to him and says, all right, I'm trying to, trying to do good for the kingdom of God. I'm trying to follow God's commands and instructions. What more do I need to do to be, to, to be perfect? Uh, what more do I need to do to, to, to be a part of the kingdom? And Jesus says, if you will take all your wealth and you sell it all and give it to the poor, he says, then you'll be perfect. And it says this man went away. What he was trying to do is take this man who was focused on riches and give him a life of significance. Like he was saying, you're so focused on riches that you're missing out on the bigger picture. You're so focused on building your mansion that you're missing out on helping others. I guarantee you if this man would have done that and sold it all and gave it all, God would have given him more 
and he would let him have even more, more favor and more because he's trying to give him significance, not just riches. We focus on the riches, and God is saying, I want you to find significance, not just the riches. Uh, one of the women in the Bible, one of the ladies in the Bible who was following Jesus, she was so into cooking the food and doing all her work, she was all about duty. And uh, she knew what she had to do, and she was upset when others weren't doing their duty because they, they, were, they were listening and not paying attention. And he said, Martha, I want to take you from duty to a, devotion, a life of devotion where you have a relationship with me because it's, 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 it's about why you're doing the work, not just doing the work. Uh, Lazarus, a man that dies in the Bible, he takes him from death, and he gives him life again. He's always trying to lead us to something larger and bigger and better. Over and over, he takes sick people, and he, and he prays for them, he, and he, he heals them, and they move from sickness, and they get to a place of health and wholeness. He moves them from knowledge. This is the religious people. They had all the knowledge. They knew all the data. They knew the Bible. They knew, they knew everything when it came to the scriptures, but they didn't understand. And he's saying, I want to move you from a place of just knowing things to really understanding why I'm asking you these things. He's always trying to move us somewhere. And then those that had doubt, he's I want to move you from doubt to believing and stepping out and having faith. So what, what, as, as we go through this journey, know that God is wanting you to move in different aspects of your life. There's going to be different times where it's going to feel like, I'm just trying to survive. And God's going to say, the way you get better is by finding purpose. And I, I, just, you know, I just want to find food. Just man, help, help others, and you will be taken care of. When it comes to longings and your needs, man, find the, go to God. He'll give you fulfillment. And he wants to lead you with this. Instead of just going with the flow, he's saying, be aware. Be aware of people. Be aware. Be, be aware that, that destinies are more important than dollars, that there's a thirst we all have, but if we focus on the wrong thing, we will live a smaller vision life. I love Paul. He says to the church in Ephesus in 320, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And he wants to do immeasurably more. So next week we celebrate two years as a church, all right? This is pretty cool. What God is doing at the Grove is really cool. It's unique. Um, this doesn't happen uh, everywhere uh, where God allows a church to grow this like this and, and make an impact like we're making. It's amazing. When, when I look back, I never dreamed that, that it would look like this. He's done immeasurably more than I imagined. Um, whatever you think in your life, whatever great things you're thinking about doing and helping others, God wants to do immeasurably more. Like Anthony on the bike ride. I think I might be able to do one day. He's going to be able to do immeasurably more through us and be able to help us accomplish more, more than we can ask or imagine. Why? Because he's a God that has a bigger vision. And when we get stuck on just us, we miss out on what he wants to do all around us. You get stuck on your things, and you miss out. So as we, as, as we go through this journey of saying, how can we help others connect to God and share our faith? You just walk across the room. You look for opportunities. Don't get stuck on focused on yourself. Look for other opportunities. In fact, on this, um, well, I guess the question he, he's asking Peter when he's saying, come and follow me, I'll make you fishermen, it's the same question he's asking you today, and this is the question. Are you going to throw your one and only life into pursuing small fish, or will you risk tossing, tossing your nets out there in anticipation of catching the human-sized ones? Are you going to throw your one and only life into pursuing small fish, or are you willing to risk tossing your nets out there in anticipation of catching the human-sized ones. That's what he was asking Peter. What do you want to do with your life? One life. One life to live. What are you going to do with this? Are you going to continue catching the small fish? Because I'm telling you the truth. Even in America, the big fish we think of, the mansion and the really nice sports car, compared to the kingdom of God, those are small fish. 
the millions of dollars that we all wish we could make, those are all small fish compared to the kingdom of God. What are you going to use your life on? Small fish or human-sized ones? And he's trying to take us in. And he would, ask, he would ask this question. He asked it to fishermen, but he asked it to housewives. He asked it to teachers and preachers and lawyers and government workers. He's asking us. If we get focused on the wrong thing, we miss out on the bigger things. If we get focused on small fish, we miss out on the ones that really matter. On the bike ride, um, I was, uh, my son, he rode the bike on the second day with me. Uh, did an amazing job. Uh, his goal is to raise $500 to help uh, to the cause of buying vehicles and, and other stuff. And he was able to double that and raise even more. So thank you guys for supporting him. You guys did a great job. Um, he rode this, his bike. And as we began this journey, he wanted to ride. You know, we told him all the things that we're going to do. And I said, well, when you ask people to help support you, you're going to have to answer them while you're riding. And so here's all the different things, you know, drill, drilling, clean, getting clean water, wells, dug. Some of our missionaries do that around the world. They're going to be doing that. We're going to buy another vehicle for Convoy of Hope. We're going to, um, you know, some of our missionaries rescue, rescue uh, people in human trafficking, um, you know, kids that are in slavery, women, young women, all that, people that are in slavery, um, different, different things. We're, we're telling them all these things that we hope to accomplish through this. And, and they said, so you said, out of all that, what really stirs your heart? And he says, well, I think, I think the fact that there's kids in slavery still, and if we could help them, I would ride and do that. And so when people ask him, this is, this is the part that he's saying is stirring his heart. And so on day three, after I rode with my son, it was just a great experience, and he did a good job. The next day we're riding, you're tired, you're going up hills, and you're sore, and your butt hurts, and all that. And, and on the journey, I'm right next to one of the pastors, and I'm saying, he's saying, hey, your, your son did a great job yesterday. You should be so proud. And I said, I am. And I said, the thing I'm most proud of, though, is that um, he's, when, when people ask him why you want to ride, he says, well, I want, to slave, I want to save kids from slavery. That's why I'm riding. I want to raise money for that. Um, and it was so awesome because in this, in this journey where, where most 10-year-olds are thinking about Nintendo and GameCube and uh, whatever other game systems are out there, you know, Pokemon, whatever, Pokemon, whatever it is they're playing, um, he, he's, and, and those aren't necessarily bad things, and they're young and they don't understand, but they're focused on their house. And all of a sudden for riding 100 miles and for a few months of training and, and asking people to support him, his world began to like open up and see that there's still kids in slavery. And as I was right next to this man, I'm just crying because my son is helping people. I told I, and I told my son this that one day, Joaquin, somewhere in heaven, there's gonna be a kid that's gonna come and say, Joaquin, thank you for riding 100 miles. Missionary, save me from slavery. I found God. I'm part of the family. So the whole trip, I kept praying, God, let all that money he raised, make sure it gets a lot of people saved from slavery. And I love the fact that my heart, my son's heart opened up to a bigger world and realized it's not just about me and my needs and my things, but there are people out there who are hurting. And you want to know the truth? There's slaves all around us that are in cubicles next door to us, in our homes, they might not be a slave like in the physical sense, but they're slaves to their emotions, to their desires, to their passions, to sin, and they're bound just the same way any slave would be in any other part of the world. And God is saying, I'm looking for people who will just walk across the room and will just walk across the, the yard and walk across the street and walk across the state, ride your bike, do something, and help somebody be free from their bondage 
And God is looking for those people. I love the fact that my son's world began to zoom out and say, wow, there's something greater. His life will forever be changed. And as soon as we hear that first story about some missionary rescuing some kids, and he hears this connection to that, his world's going to get even bigger and realize, oh, wow, I'm just one single person in the middle of all this, and I can do a lot of good and help others. And when we're right on this road and I'm crying because my heart is just broken for people that need help, and, and you think, like, if we're just riding our bikes, but that's providing food, it's providing shelter, it's providing support to those that need it. It's, it's amazing just something small when we all come together and do something. God, God takes that and he multiplies it and does something even bigger. And all of a sudden, as I begin to talk, you know what happened? My legs didn't hurt all that much. My butt did not hurt that much. And all the distance ahead of me felt like very little. Why? Because I wasn't focused on me. I was focused on something larger than myself. And God is inviting you, just like Peter. What are you going to do with this one life? You could chase a small fish. That's not necessarily all bad. But at the end of, the, end of, the, end of your life, you're going to look back and say, man, those are just small fish. I wish I'd went after the big things, the important things, the things that matter. So you're going to throw your, life, you throw your one and only life into pursuing small fish? Or are you willing to risk it all and throw your nets? I heard a story about this man named Chuck Colson. He was a chief counselor to President Nixon from 1963 to 1970, 1969 to 1973. For five years, this is one of the main voices in the president's ears. Influential, brilliant guy, amazing. Well, through all the Watergate scan, all the things that went out, you know, he, he caught some of that, some of the peripheral stuff he was doing. He ended up, he had to spend seven months in jail. Uh, in jail, his life just kind of crumbled. All these things came, you know, just came crush, crushing down. He had everything and they lost everything. And through this journey, he had a friend that was a Christian that began just to share his faith. And he read a book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis that just changed his life. And he became a Christian. And in this journey of being a prisoner and then, you know, leaving prison, his heart began, became very soft towards prisoners who got out. And he wanted to help them. So he started a ministry that's called uh, Prison Fellowship International. It started here in the States and it spread out around the world. And, and within a matter of a few years, just it was, it was doing an incredible job. Well, in the Philippines and Manila, there was a, a prisoner who got part of this ministry. And in it, he found Christ, gave his life to Christ, and began, God began to change his heart and his life. And when he got out, he thought of this idea. He says, what if, what if we gave the men that got out of prison some, some help and we did something? And so they would give a microloan. And they found out that it takes $120 to buy a, a pedicab, you know, a little bike that you ride and you ride people around. $120 is all it costs. And so they began this, this, this micro, these loans where they would loan this prisoner um, $120, he can buy a pedicab and start working, and then the man would pay it back. They would put that in the kitty and then buy more, more pedicabs, to help, to help more loans so they could buy more pedicabs. Well, over time, this began to just you know get momentum and roll and roll, and there was eventually hundreds and, and even thousands of prisoners that began to have a way out of their poverty and a way to, to have significance in their life. And so he went to go visit and see what was taking place in that ministry over in, the, in Manila, and they, they came out and lined up all their pedicabs, all these guys, and, 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 and their families came out just to thank uh, Chuck Colson for his heart to help prisoners. And he said there was this moment where this little girl runs to her dad and hugs, her, hugs his leg and just holds on like to say, I'm so proud of you, Dad. And the dad's beaming with his new bike and you know, with, his, with his work and his family with him. And, and he said at that moment, 
He said he looked at all the things he accomplished in his life, and at that moment, that one experience was head and shoulders above every other thing he'd ever did. It was way, way more. Why? Because he saw his life was helping transform somebody else's life. It was helping this one man get his life back. He said this was head and shoulders above every other accomplishment he had ever made in his life. It was greater, that one moment. Why? Because we're made for something bigger than just ourselves. Who are those people around you that God is maybe tapping you and saying, would you just pay attention and be aware? Here's why we said it's easier than we think. I'm going to show you a slide. and We did this the first week. You know, Our job is to move people from maybe they're in a negative area and this, this is kind of messed up it should be relied on self zero is kind of the point where they accept christ and then 10 is vibrant walk with christ uh, our, our thing got messed up but anyways you can visualize it and we said our job is not to take somebody from negative 10 all the way to positive 10 in one meeting it just doesn't happen um but rather what, what what can we do to share our faith that would help them maybe take a step towards okay maybe i can i can think about coming to church you know i really hate christians i really hate church but maybe i'll think about it and it's somewhere on the journey, at some point, they're going to realize, man, I really need God's help, and they accept Christ. And then they get involved in the group, and they, 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 they keep moving down the path, and eventually they have a vibrant relationship with God. Our job as a church is to help people take one step towards, towards that vibrant walk with Christ. We're going after the negative tens that have had bad experiences, that don't like church. We meet in a theater on purpose. Because we want them to come and, man, this doesn't really feel like a religious experience in a church thing. It's like a, a, a movie theater. Exactly. We want you to come. You'll like our church. So we've been very intentional to say, how can we move these people that are far from God, make some steps towards them? And it's amazing. Some of you in this room, you were somewhere in that part, and you've moved over. And now you're helping others. It's so amazing to see that. It's, it makes it so worth everything we've done the last two years. And this next fall, we're going to keep doing more. In fact, next week, I would encourage you to invite a friend. We're going to start a new series. It's going to help them understand that we're all crazy. We're all, we all have issues. And we're all broken. And we're going to walk through this series. It's going to help people understand that, that we're not perfect. And we look a lot more like them than they think. And we understand them more than they realize. Because church is messy. When you do that, when you go after the people that are far from God, it becomes messy. And we want to be the kind of church that doesn't want to be clean and sterile and make everything comfortable but we want to be a, a church that says, let's, let's run towards the messes, like the first responders who are running into 9-11 to help. That's what we're called to do. Let's go after those that are hurting and that are broken, that are addicted, uh, that are on the verge of bankruptcy, on the verge of whatever it is they're, they're facing. And let's help pull them away from that and say there's a better way, there's a larger picture. Don't get stuck on your thing. Let's look at something that's bigger than that. So my challenge for you today is this. Would you partner with God in the greatest mission imaginable? Would you partner with him this week? And that is finding what's lost, restoring what's broken, and reclaiming what is his. He loves people. He loves your neighbor. He loves your coworker. He loves your family members. And he's saying, would you join me in this mission to be my hands and my feet to love those people around you? Because one day it will be all worth it. If you, will, if you will learn to say yes to him and to pay attention, to look up and away from your pain, and begin to say, how can I help others? Where are those slaves that need to be set free? Where are those people that are stuck that need to be free? We look up and we begin to see that God will use our life to help him. Now, he tells a story in the Bible. Jesus tells these three stories, a trilogy, three stories in a row about lost things. 
And, and it's, it's, it's for impact to saying this is God's heart. He cares about the lost. I tell a story about a, sheep, about a shepherd that has 100 sheep, and one of them leaves, and one gets lost. And it says he leaves the 99 to go after the one lost. The grove is after the one lost, those that are hurting, those that are broken. We love the 99 that are here. It's awesome, but we want to go find those that are lost. Join us in this mission of doing that. Join God this week. And just remember, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's an investment. You're building relationships. You're looking for opportunities. You're discerning those, those moments when to speak something to somebody's life, when to love them. It's amazing when I meet people and I be in relationships with them. They, they're so caught off guard by um, how I come across as, as, as one as a pastor, but just as a person, as a Christian. Like, well, you're, you're different than I thought you would be because they get a lot of bad experiences. I have, I have um, friends who work in the service industry, so waiters, waitresses, and they used to tell me that their friends didn't want to work on Sunday afternoons because they said when people go eat after church, the church people were so stingy they wouldn't get good tips. It was like one of the times they avoided doing that. I thought that was a horrible stigma for Christians. It might not be true. Maybe that was just pers- their perspective. But wouldn't it be awesome when we go to restaurants, we bless the waiters and waitresses like, man, you do an awesome job. Here's a, a bigger tip than you deserve. And they leave thinking, wow, those people are generous. So they're, they're, they're kind. And then in time, you build a relationship, and you can imagine something. I have friends who work in the service industry, and you know they service people's cars and service people's different things. And, man, people can be really, really mean and rude and just jerks and obnoxious. And they, they, want, they want those people to, to fix their lives, you know, and they can't. They're just trying to fix their car or their phone. What if we were the kind of people that walked in and said, all right, you know, I really don't like what's going on here. It's broken, but how can I love this person as a person? How can I partner with God to catch a really big fish here? and love this person, and build a relationship with this person. I promise you, we could transform Santa Fe if we learn to pay attention and love others the way God wants us to. So my challenge, partner with God in this great mission of finding what's lost, restoring what's broken, and reclaiming what's his. So today, I want to talk to you that are here. Maybe you're not a part of the kingdom of God. You're not a Christian. Um, we like to give an opportunity every service for those that maybe you're broken, and you're hurting, and you're lost. And you're in pain. And all you can see is your house and your part of the story because that's all you can focus on. And today God has given the same invitation to you. Would you come into his family, surrender your life, invite him into the pain, invite him into the middle of whatever you're facing. Because this is what, what, what John says, the disciple John. In First John 4.15 he says that anybody acknowledges Jesus as the son of God, God lives in them and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. If anyone will acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you're part of the family. It's this idea that we submit our lives to God, his ruler, his rulership, his lordship. He becomes boss and we follow his lead. And he says, all right, don't focus on the pain. Let's get out a little further. So if you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity to, to make that, take that step. Would you take that step towards Christ, towards God, and say, God, I need your help. It's an invitation to live a larger vision life. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we give this opportunity for those that are here? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask in a second if you're here and you want to respond just to lift your hand. I won't call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to give you an opportunity for you to respond. This is a, a, a personal moment between you and God saying, God, I've been living for me too long. I want to live for you. God, I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm sinful. I need you forgive me. It's an invitation of relationship. 
And when you do that, the Bible says you become a new person, that God erases the past. He forgets all the wrong we've done. He invites us into this new life. So if you're here today and you want to respond to that and say, you know what, I'll, I need God's help. I want, I want to follow his lead. I want to follow, become a Christ follower. Would you lift your hand so I know you're in here and I'll, I'll lead you in a prayer? Awesome. I see your hand. Anybody else? Today I acknowledge I need your help, God. Cool. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? The rest of us, would you join in? Nobody's praying alone. We encourage them. Today say, Father God, I need your help. I'm lost and I'm broken and I'm in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrong. Today I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on that cross for me. And I invite you into my life today. Change me. Make me new. Help me to fulfill your purpose in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.